0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 11 of Forever Strength. And we have a great guest on today. So joining me, Andrew Coates and Bailey Lau, we have Juan Doligowski. And we've been enjoying Juan's social media. She talks a ton about nutrition. So we're really excited to bring you on. We've had Susan Niebergall on, so you're actually our second guest within our episodes. So Honored. <laughs> thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on and talk to us.
1: Thank you for having me. Truly an honor. Coming after Susan, that's like, you know... That's truly
0: an honor. <laughs> Susan's a heavyweight at our space and it is a she, she is heart. I admire really. her greatly. She's definitely trail
1: she's a trail blazer.
0: Yeah. absolutely. So we wanted to bring you on and you know your area of expertise is really rooted in nutrition and a lot of the stuff you share in your social media and that you do uh, your work is based around nutrition. So we wanted to kind of open this to a conversation to support people with nutritional help to support their strength training. So I'm gonna let Bailey guide some of the discussion and then we'll just see where it goes.
2: Yeah, so I guess <clears throat> the first question is, <laughs> how do you think nutrition works with strength training?
1: I think it's, it's so important. It, it, if you're not properly fed and fueled, um, you're leading a lot on the table. So of course you have to make sure it's aligned with your goals, but regardless of whether your goal is fat loss or building, reverse dieting, Um, you know, you have to support the systems in order for you to be able to build muscle. And I find that a lot of women are not properly fueling themselves or chronically dieting and under eating. So they're having problems building muscle. So they go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, So just as a, for beginners, um, how would you start? So say you're, maybe you want to start all at once. I guess people can do that. But if they're already training for strength, what could be the first few steps that they could take, uh, small tips that uh, as a beginner to nutrition?
1: Uh, well, making sure that the overall calories are enough to support their activities and then making sure they're having uh, eating enough protein um, to support their bodies and then balancing out with proper amount of carbohydrates and fats. So, you know, so if they're starting out, I don't like to think if it's too overwhelming to keep track of all the macronutrients, um, you know, usually I just focus on overall uh, calories and protein and let the carbs and fats follow where they may.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, that's the main way that you would say tracking for that kind of stuff. Are there any other things, um, where they don't have to track? Cause I know a lot of people struggle with that kind of thing. Um, are there oh, you any-
1: don't want to track their, their food intake, uh, just like calories in general? Um, well, you know, if I, if, well, most of them do come to me with wanting to have some type of idea of what they're they're taking in. So mm-hmm. um, we do baby steps. I know if, if they're brand new to tracking, um, I just tell them, you know what, just um, download an app and just start tracking. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but just so that we have a, a general idea of what you're taking in. It's almost like, you know, if you're gonna go to a financial uh, planner, they're gonna want to know what you're, what you're making. So you got to have, you got to start somewhere. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I meet them where they are.
2: Yeah. There has to be a starting point for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's no direction if there isn't a starting point. Right. Um, so how, how would you set someone up for success if they were starting out? Right.
1: Or I can they set them up so, so for success as well. For, with nutrition? Yeah. Um, well, baby steps. I mean, I I think I find that it's really important to meet them where they are. So a lot of times if they're brand new, um, I won't even give them a guide. I won't even tell them you have to have this many protein carbs in the bath. I tell them, you know what, just track where you are and I'm gonna meet you where you are. So let's say maybe I want their protein to be at 120, but they're only at 80. I'm not going to make that jump. So we'll do, we'll do um, in increments and just kind of um, start there. Once they feel confident with that and they want to start tracking carbohydrates and fats, then we'll we'll transition to that. If not, but that's okay. We don't have to do that. So it's always, I think it's really important to always meet them where they are, give them confidence, um, build self-confidence in themselves, knowing that they can do that. And that will help them um, layer in other habits and skills.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that actually has quite a bit of carryover to strength training too. You don't want to start someone off. You know, at a hundred pound squat, if they've been squatting with a dumbbell that's twenty pounds. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <clears throat> um, I'll make this one
0: We are, oftentimes we find that people struggle with protein, and it's not just women; it's everybody. They don't tend to eat towards optimum protein intake. What are some of your favorite strategies, and maybe high protein snacks that you've had success with to get people to include in their nutrition, and even if. Let's say you've got someone who just is really intimidated by the idea of tracking. We know that if they're eating more protein in their diet, it tends to help with a lot of other things. So what are your favorite strategies and, and uh, snacks?
1: Um, usually my, the first strategy I have them do is just eat more of what they are currently having. So if they are already having like chicken breast, um, I, I will have them increase it to what I think would be an appropriate amount per meal. Um, that would be my my the easiest thing to do um, and then based on what their dietary preferences are if they have you know allergies or medical conditions where they can't have certain things or um if they're vegan they can't have certain sources um so i have to find out what their preferences are and then i will tell them you know so we have um animal sources we have eggs we have um, egg whites protein powder um tofu soy um what else um I'm, I'm seeing some obvious ones, seafood, yogurt, dairy products, um, so those usually, and then of course you have the, the incomplete sources that come up, but you know I don't, I don't tell them like peanut butter is a good source of protein, but you know I have to make, that, make sure that they're aware of that, some people truly don't know, or they try to you know use beans as, as a protein source and it really isn't, so part of it is educational, and this is why I think Tracking is important because it does open their eyes as to what is in their food so they can make more better choices. Yeah.
2: So go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I think I, I can tell that you find that if you have people track, it helps you do your job better. And I know a lot of people are resistant to tracking, but a lot of people will be confronted with the reality of what they're actually eating. So if you get mm-hmm. someone to track it, or at least if they have to write it down in the food journal, then they kind of look at it and go. Oh, I'm not just eating 1,200 calories. I'm probably eating more like 2,600 that <laughs> actually account for everything. And that could be a very valuable exercise in getting people to look at the reality of what they're doing. Because you get those people who swear, I'm not losing weight, but I'm eating 1,200 calories. Well, it, it's not helpful for us to look at them and go, that's you're full of shit. You're not eating that little because that's not helping build trust.
2: Yeah, not so to get
0: yeah. them to arrive at this realization like you're eating way more than you need for your goals and here's a little bit of tough love, and especially tough for women. We live, women live in a world where serving sizes, especially in restaurants, are probably geared towards men. We also have a culture with fast food and restaurant servings that are already high calorie in the first place. And on average, there are exceptions, but on average, women require less calories than men during their day, right? So, we, and maybe it's like, there's if there's alcohol involved, I definitely know more than my fair share of women who can drink with the best of the men, but there's calories in that. So actually, I suppose this opens this up. What are your thoughts on some of the the, the differences in terms of our society and the societal pressures that women face about just how much food they they intake and, and alcohol for that matter?
1: Well, uh, well I think the overwhelming... Um, pressure is to be leaner, smaller. Um, there's just seems to be more pressure um, and with um, aesthetics. I feel like, you know, um, even with, uh, even as parents, I feel like women are more pressured to kind of get back into their pre-baby body. Whereas if the dads gain some weight, there's really no pressure, right? Um, so there's a lot more societal pressure I feel in maintaining a certain type of a look. Um, Alcohol, I feel like it is, it is pretty normalized, especially if you are a mom, to kind of, you know, resort to um, alcohol, to deal with the stressors of being a parent, a mom, things like that, and not really um, opening their eyes to that there might be other healthier coping, coping mechanisms. Um, and of course, it's, it's normalized, right, in society. It's very normal to, to drink and it's ex- actually more unusual to not drink. So it's really difficult for men and women alike, uh, to, um, to not drink if
0: their goal is to, to drink, uh, not drink. Yeah, yeah. No one questions you, if you sit down and have a drink with everybody, but quite literally, if you refuse a drink in a social environment, you may get comments like, oh, just live a little, or like mm-hmm. it, it's questioned. It's Right. Yes. And that's un- unpleasant. That's just not a fair thing to do to people. So okay, let's let's go back because I know Bailey had more questions.
2: Yeah. Um, and I totally just blanked as soon as you said that. Um, I guess when you're <laughs> when you're dealing with women that feel those societal pressures, um, do you find that there's sort of a wall there that you have to get past um, in
1: order to help them? And how would you say that you normally go about doing that? I think it really depends on where they are and what their goals are. Um, and if they have the health and medical conditions where alcohol is not conducive to where they want to go. So helping them understand the role, the impact that it has on their body and their goals and their systems, um, I think it's important to educate them so there's buy in as to why they probably should pull back or drink less. So most people that I encounter do want to drink less or quit drinking. I, I don't, I've never met anyone who really honestly was, was happy that they were drinking. Um, most, most people really want to drink less, uh, but it's, you know, usually they do feel pressure to drink or they don't know how to handle the situation when they are, you know, when they're in a social situation. Like, how do I say, you know, that I don't want to drink. So it's giving them the tools and maybe confidence to maybe have like a script as to what to say when that situation comes up but i think educating them as to how how it's maybe negatively impacting their goals is super important and in, in giving them buy-in
2: yeah yeah um, and then what about the societal pressures to for women to feel like they need to be small
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard man that's my, my page is all about that basically you know combating that that the diet culture and this this comparison game and feeling like you should be smaller and the only thing you can do is just constantly um, you know remind them of that maybe what they're doing right now is not working it's not getting them closer to their goal so we have to be doing something differently even if it is uncomfortable and just kind of always repeating the same story I think it's really important to to um, constantly repeat over and over um, you know maybe the 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 dangers of constantly dieting and under eating, and how being your leanest self is not going to get you to that goal of wanting more muscle. Um, so, always try, trying to like explain to them how it's counterproductive to their goals.
2: Yeah, yeah. Knowledge and uh, education is probably our most important tool. Yeah, our
0: messaging is very heavy on the benefits of strength training.
2: Right? Uh-huh.
0: Well, well documented, <clears throat> but we know that getting people lifting weights is great for their. Bone mineral density, that's especially relevant to women. Yeah, Um, Improved blood pressure, improved improved blood sugar, improved sense of emotional well-being, mental health, and building muscle mass is great for elevating and maintaining metabolism. It's sort of, it is a myth that metabolic rate declines with age, although it pretty much functions that way in reality, because as lifestyles change, people aren't as active Especially if someone has had a cycle of maybe yo-yo dieting and losing lean mass right. over time uh, and then regaining body fat, so that can function essentially as age-related metabolic uh, capacity loss. But ultimately, if we can let people understand if you stay active, if you work out, you can build and maintain muscle at any age, that's the road to long-term leanness. So that's a message that we're really passionate about. And that's why the program that we do is not, it's messaging is not around transformations. It's not around weight loss at all. We will support with, you know, the basics of nutrition to, and and that's why we brought you on to talk about these things, but we don't want to attract people who are still stuck in that cycle of yo-yo dieting. And that's the challenge. So let's go here. How do you help someone who's still very caught in the emotional desire to lose the weight, to lose the weight quickly. And how do you approach the messaging to help that person move along the spectrum into valuing working out strength training and breaking them out of that yo-yo diet cycle?
1: Well, it's making them aware that what they're doing, the pattern, isn't working hasn't produced the results that they're wanting, the long-term results, because they keep going back to the old habits and understanding that returning back to old habits of restriction and dieting is not producing the the results that they want. So having them make them aware that that's counterproductive to the goals and then um, really it's constant like reminder and working on mindset, you know, um, trying to help them understand that you know, always dieting is not going to help them build the muscle. A lot of women want to be more toned. They want to have that toned look. Well, that look involves having muscle and educating them that that's what is involved. I think a lot of women are mistaken thinking that chasing fat loss is going to give them that look. And while you know, we both know that, we all know that Uh, having that look is a combination of having muscle and low enough body fat to reveal it. But if you don't have enough muscle to to show for it, you're not going to have that look. So educating them on what it takes to have that look. I think a lot of it is just education and just reminding them of like, um, you know, their their current behaviors and lifestyle is not giving them the look and the lifestyle that they're wanting. So it's a willingness to do things differently and get uncomfortable. It's uh, helping them understand that Number one, it is okay to be afraid of change, but in order to change, you have to be willing to do things differently.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Dive in.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So we're mostly talking about nutrition here, but um, what other aspects do you think are really important for um, training for strength and making sure that your nutrition matches up with your goals in order to move forward?
1: Uh, definitely sleep. Well, sleep is super, super important. You know, I think people really underestimate the importance and the role it plays in optimal health and being able to build muscle and strength. So sleep, stress management is big. Um, taking enough rest days, right? Making sure that you're recovered, um, and um, being active also outside the gym. You know, not just like the hour that you're in the gym, but are you walking and moving? Are you being exposed to sunlight? um are you drinking enough water um so these are like all the other habits that are are really important in making sure that you're optimizing your performance in the gym yeah
2: yeah um yeah um so if someone were to come to you and say um i want to be toned um i want to be more toned or whatever that's their goal uh but they said i don't have the mental capacity to start both strength training and nutrition first um, what would you say to that
1: person? I would have to ask them what they want, what they, can, what they think they can stick to the most. Like, because, you know, not everyone is going to, you know, I might think maybe nutrition is better or someone else might think training is more important. Right. But it's really the individual, what they can stick to the most, be most consistent with. We can start there, because if, if we don't build confidence and consistency, there, it's not going to have carryover into other other areas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So essentially start with something that will get easier, become a habit, and then and then right. move into the working with the other thing as well.
1: Right.
0: We've often yeah. observed in practice that getting someone in the gym, enjoying the, enjoying the experience, enjoying to come in and work with you, that alone creates momentum in other places in their life. We we notice without even making much effort that they start to be more conscientious about what they're eating, that they are sleeping a little bit better. Sometimes then they're drinking less and we've observed all this. I have two of the, in in my almost 12 years now, two of the most significant and enduring major fat loss successes were people who sought me out after having worked on their nutrition first and then they wanted to learn how to strength train and they did really well with the nutrition habits. That's not to say that's for everybody. But I often find that the strength training is the linchpin habit that then makes the nutrition get better. Now, of course, the flip side of that is when they fall off the strength training, what happens? The nutrition goes to hell too. So, I mean, we all know the challenges that are embedded within this. And I think the most important thing is to create an environment, a community, an experience that someone makes a non-negotiable part of their lifestyle. And what I always hope is that the nutrition, as they have the capacity to explore it more, we can then get them further along on the nutrition side. And that's where, you know, I like sharing your media so that way people are getting in front of good practitioners and good media that keeps these messages forefront in their mind. Uh, and hopefully it's competing and drowning out the, the bullshit that we know permeates our industry and, and the mainstream media. Um, any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I find for most people, and I could be, you know, I mean, there's other exceptions. Most people struggle with the nutrition part, right? They can go to the gym, they get their workouts in, but, you know, it's the other time that you're not in the gym is the nutrition part that you have to nail down. And that's what a lot of people struggle with. So uh, finding the thing that they are more confident in, in nailing is important. But in, in general, I do find that nutrition is the most the thing that people struggle with more than getting the workouts
2: in yeah and i mean that makes sense right because it takes up an hour of your day to work yeah. nutrition is multiple <laughs> hours of your day that day. the choice of oh mm-hmm. should i eat this is this good for me is this going to make me feel good right. um right so that makes sense um
0: i think this is relevant too because we do know that as the days go on and people make a lot of decisions and they get tired that's where they're more prone to getting into the the troublesome stuff, the really high calorie stuff. Uh, Do you have any wisdom, practical advice for people who catch themselves snacking or I'll even use the language, provocative language of binging on high calorie food later in the day?
1: Well, I think it starts off with making, Being sure that your nutrition is solid from the beginning of the day. I think a lot of people either skip meals, skip breakfast, don't eat their lunch, and then they're starving by the time they come to at the end of the day and they're stressed out from work. So they're gonna be, they're gonna raid the fridge. So um, I think it's important to make sure that the meals are balanced throughout the day um, and encouraging them to incorporate the things that maybe they might label as being forbidden because they might think, oh my, I can't have that. Um, So encouraging them to incorporate them uh, on a regular basis. Um, Now, there's some things like, you know, practical tips, you know, for me, out of sight, out of mind really helps. I mean, you may know, like, if you have, especially if you're kids, you can't, like, not buy certain things that maybe you don't want to snack on. Um, So I find it's helpful to maybe put it, you know, put it in in a cupboard where you're not seeing it right when you open up the pantry. Um, But, you know, having... Applying those types of um, tips, I find it's helpful, um, but I think it, a lot of it is making sure that you're eating enough, you're not starving yourself beginning of the day, um, making sure making sure that you're eating enough throughout the day and protein as well, because that's satiating um, and then making sure you're properly hydrated. Um, I think that helps as well. A lot of times people mistake um, hunger for um, thirst, um, or yeah, more for thirst. Um, so uh, making sure they're properly hydrated, and of course sleeping well too. Because if you're if you have poor sleep, this is going to have a domino effect to everything, and of course it, makes, it affects your hunger as well.
0: Absolutely, that's a that's a topic way beyond the scope of this, but like that is huge. Um, I'm trying to think of a few other things that I, I really like. Even if we can get people to do something like pausing before they. They rush and they grab that impulsive food. I I bet a lot of people can relate to this that you sit down in front of the TV, maybe that's the way you relax. And automatically, as if you're not even aware of it, here's the snack in front of you. It's it's a behavior that's um, a trigger behavior. If you watch the television, you have the snack. And we often hell, I know I feel hungry in the evenings and I'm rooting around in my pantry. And I usually don't keep a lot of really troublesome stuff around, but then you pause and you say. Am I hungry or am I physiologically hungry or am I bored hungry? And here's a little test that I don't know if you like this one, but I also think keeping like something like fruit and apples visible and accessible to counter having the accessibles, the cookies or whatever. But if you're not hungry enough to have an apple, then you're really not physiologically hungry, right? If you don't want to have that piece of fruit, no, I want the cookies. Well, you're just craving something else. But at least if I get people to pause on that, think about it, be aware of it, it can help them. Or you can say, listen, you have permission to have this, but you have to wait 10 minutes. And if you still know that you really want it after 10 minutes, game on.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Any other stuff like that that you found has had success with your people?
1: Um, Well, questioning, you brought up a good point. Just questioning yourself if you are truly hungry or are you bored? Are you stressed out? Are you angry? Are you tired? um maybe going for a walk going outside before you actually have that treat and come back and you might feel that you're you don't want it anymore um also i mean i've I've heard this i don't necessarily have really used it on my clients because most most of my clients have kids that's not feasible but uh like temporarily if you really are struggling with binging on a certain item not have it in the house but give yourself permission if you really do want it then go to the store and get it so create some um distance between that that item that you're craving to make it a little bit more difficult so because if you really truly want it then you'll go get it but you might realize you really don't want it because you have to get in the car go to the store and get it so
2: so that extra effort so how do you think um these convenience options like um what's it called DoorDash and skip the dishes how do you think that affects people's nutrition and how would you help them to avoid. Um, it's t- it's
1: tough. We, yeah, we live in a world of convenience. So I think really a part of that is um, trying to help clients um, understand the importance of planning and maybe doing some type of a meal prep, something so they're not resorting to, I have nothing in the fridge, so I'm going to get DoorDash. So if you're preparing some meals ahead of time, you know, bulk prepping some things, having some, like making sure you have fresh fruits and veggies. Um, just something that you have so that you can throw things together, because that's what it is, because at the end of the day, like you're tired, you don't want to have to make things from scratch. But if you already have things already prepped, you can just throw it together. So I think um, having having some meals prepared or food prepared ahead of time is huge. Um, and so that I think will help prevent, maybe not 100%, but minimize the chances of getting fast food and those uh, getting takeout. Yeah, else
0: so worth thinking about. <laughs> is maybe a meal service is the answer, right? You got a busy schedule, okay? And you're prone to ordering, skip the dishes, right? Uber Eats. But, and that's kind of expensive. So we think, oh, you know, a meal service where you have pre-made meals for your entire week. Oh, that sounds really expensive. But if you add up the groceries and the value of the time to actually prepare all that stuff, and especially if you compared it against, you know, what you'd be paying on a regular for going out to dinner or for right. something to skip the dishes, it may actually be a really economical option. And there are a lot more of these meal services now. And you find one where you actually like the quality of the food and it can be a viable option. And I think a lot of people think really quickly about the, the ordering that on the app. My advice is just delete the apps. It become it, It's not an option for me personally. There are only two things that I'll ever order. This Chinese food usually ends up being about once a year. It's got to be really good stuff or pizza. And those are traditional options that have always been there. I nothing else I will order. I can't imagine ordering like a brownie from some company and paying 30 bucks for delivery for it. That's but consider the option of actually having a meal service. It could be a really practical, effective, and affordable compared to what other behaviors you're doing already. Um, and it can really cut down your calorie intake. So, and, and often those yeah. are really nice.
1: No, that's a good point. Andrew, you brought up a really good point. Having a meal prep service. Um, and cause a lot of them do customize the meals based on how much protein, carbs and fats you want. Um, so they, it is tailored to your nutritional needs. So having those already on hand, um, for those last minute moments, uh, is, is great.
2: Yeah. And another thing, I guess at the end of the day, some people have decision fatigue, um, So I guess another option, what are those called? Um, Hello Fresh and stuff like that. Would you say that that's
1: also a good option or? Um, I think, well, it depends. I don't know. I'll be honest with you, I've never ordered from there, uh, Blue Apron. So I don't know what the nutritional content is. I think uh, those, they just give you the ingredients to make sure, everything that you need to prepare the meal. So um, um, I don't know if necessarily cheaper or more convenient, but definitely something to consider. Um, if, if it's something that better than maybe getting takeout, at least you're you know, doing something with a family, You know, preparing for, you know, it's like a, a family affair type thing. Cause it's not just, usually it's not just one meal, it's usually at least for two or four people, um, my understanding. So um, definitely that's, that's an option, but I'll be honest with you, I've never really, I've never looked into the, the foods that are offered. So I'm not sure if I'm really promoting something that that's good or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> There,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, at least, you know, what's going into your food, right? They just give you, but it's also, it's up to the person to make sure that they're looking into that kind of stuff and not just trusting a company because the company is there to sell something to you. Right. So it's your job to educate yourself or get a coach to help educate you um, in order to make the right decisions for you at the time.
0: Yeah. I will, I will tease at this thought to anybody who's kind of hesitant about what are these services? Meanwhile, trusts McDonald's, and I will we'll use McDonald's as both literal and a metaphor for all that other stuff out there. So, I'm um, I'm hoping that people will explore the the array of potential options. And I I think that hey, if you want to really enjoy your McDonald's once in a while, great. But if that's like on the menu every week or every few days, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that something like HelloFresh is probably better.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And you know, you know, a lot of places are really great at providing healthier options now. It's not like back in the day where you only had, you know, you, don't, you didn't have very many choices, but a lot of places have salads with proteins and um, things like that. So um, understanding that you can make better choices, or maybe if you get a chicken sandwich, you take out the bun, let's say, if you're like, wanting to reduce your calorie intake. Um, So there's different ways to to approach it. Um, It's just being mindful of the choices that you're making.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I guess if they're different or if they're the same, would you make different recommendations for um, beginner, intermediate, and advanced lifters if they were just starting out
1: with nutrition? Um, Well, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, the more advanced you are, I think you can implement more of the meal timing principles, you know, um maybe having more carbs around training. But if you're brand new, I'm not gonna even worry about that. I mean, you're just you can't even get your get the meals more balanced, you know, let alone like telling them how many carbs they have around their their, their workouts. So yeah, it does depend on the person. Um I find that most of my clients are not super advanced lifters. Um, so I'm not, you know, I, I can maybe think of a handful of people where I've advised like peri-workout nutrition, but um, for the most part, it's more um, balanced meals and just making sure that they, they, they're getting the meals in, right? I yes. mean, they are always struggling enough with that and not having to worry about, okay, I should have more carbs around my workout.
2: Yeah. So potentially, you know, once they get that down pat mm-hmm. and become a better lifter and more consistent with everything, then you would go into more in depth about how yes. they can- Right. potentially improve their
1: performance uh-huh.
0: yeah any myths anything that you're really passionate about when it comes to some of the popular diets fad diets dietary ideologies that you think may be misleading or potentially harmful to people
1: um, well I, I, I always tell you, you don't have to do a diet with a special name um, you know you don't you don't have to fall for that. I think anyone who promotes like you have to eat their only their shakes or their meals or their bars. You have to kind of, that kind of raises a red flag um, telling people to restrict certain things um, specifically. I don't think it's necessary. Um, unless you have a medical, like an allergy or you can't eat it for religious reasons or you have a medical condition. Like there really is not a reason to restrict anything. You know, saying carbs are bad, fruits are, fruits are bad is not helpful. Um, you know, I grew up fearing carbs and fruits like a lot, a big part of my life. And I'll think back on it, like, I'm thinking, what the heck? And I consider myself a fairly educated person. Um, yet I was fearful of carbs and even eating fruit. Um, and so just trying to tell people that, that you don't have to restrict food groups to reach your goals,
2: yeah. For sure. And I think that's just a sort of clickbait, if you ask me. And it's also companies, like I said before, they want to sell what they have, right? They're going to tell you, oh, you need this to work on your diet. And oh, don't use that because, you know, I'm on YouTube and I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I need I need money from YouTube. So listen to all the crap I have to say. Yes, not great, but it's there and people have to pay attention to it.
1: It is. And, you know, and people who are brand new to it don't know any different, you know, and I I feel really bad because like they don't know any difference. So they're trusting these people who are telling them they're looking at their bodies and thinking, I want to look like them. And if they're telling me to to eat this or that, I'm going to do it. Um, And just helping people understand also that if you can't sustain it, if you can't see yourself doing this, you know, three months, six months, a year from now, then it's really, that's another red flag. It's, really should be looking at things like what can you sustain for the rest of your life
2: yeah what can actually serve you mm-hmm. long term
0: yeah any other questions for one
2: yeah i i saw on your your instagram that you talk about cardio a little bit um how would you sort of educate someone around that and like we said before women you know feel the need to be small and do all cardio so how would you um educate someone around that
1: Okay. Well, this is such a. This is thinking from so many angles. Okay. Um, You know, I think a lot of people abuse cardio. They do it excessively. I'm not, and I'll I'll be the first to say you cardio is not bad. In fact, cardio is can be really good. It is good for your for overall longevity and health, and even you know better body composition and improving endurance and performance in the gym. Uh, But you've got to apply it appropriately. to meet your goals. And I think a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. They do too much of it. Um, they, um, you know, do too much of it and don't eat enough to support it. So, you know, if you are an endurance athlete there's nothing wrong with, you know, running X amount of miles but hopefully you're eating enough to support your goals. So making sure that you're applying it properly for your goals and you're eating enough to support it especially if you're trying to build muscle.
2: Yeah, but Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so when I, uh, played higher level soccer, the one thing that I found that that was the issue is, um, recovery, I think is really important, but so they weren't teaching us how to recover. And as young female athletes, we didn't know any better, like right out of high school, right into university. Um, so how would you educate an athlete around,
1: um, eating for performance? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to look at what you're doing and um, pay attention to your hunger cues too. Like if you are hungry, um, and that that's your body telling you that you're probably not eating enough calories. So making sure that you are um, eating enough calories to support your activity, uh, and then making sure that you listen to your body and give give proper time to rest in between the activities, and making sure that you um, making sure they understand that rest is part of um, part of the process. You know, it's not. This is not for the week. In fact, you know, um, it's going to make you a better athlete. So, making sure that you know you pay attention to rest days and being recovered and eating enough to support your goals, um, and then paying attention to your body, like really listening to it. You know, I mean, some days you might be so lethargic. I mean, if you're constantly sore and tired, that's your body telling you that it needs rest and maybe it might need more food too. Um, also, for women, it's really important to pay attention to the menstrual cycle. Um, that's usually might be the first thing to go. Um, so understanding that, you know, that is like your body telling you that it's under stress, whether it's with exercise or under eating. So if the menstrual cycle becomes is missing or irregular, that's another sign to get like a wake up call. Like something's got to change. There's too much stress on the body.
2: Yeah. And we have all those mechanisms in place for a reason, right? Yeah. So listening to part yeah. you... And,
0: right. and right. a little bit of a myth around that the loss of menstrual cycle is directly related to getting beyond a certain level of body fat getting a certain amount of leanness well like you said it's the body responding to stress and oftentimes it's that restriction to the point where someone gets quite lean that they start to lose the menstrual cycle so it's not technically that they're past a certain point of leanness it's the fact that the body is under stress
1: absolutely there's a lot of a lot of women who um are not lean but they're, they're under, underfed. And so that the body perceives it as stress. So they're gonna lose their menstrual cycle. They don't have to be necessarily show lean. Um, you can look like the average general population and still lose your cycle. And it can be like mental stress too. I mean, there's so many things that can affect your menstrual cycle, not just food and exercise. Wonderful. Yeah, and
2: both strength training too and nutrition is really important for mental health. Uh-huh. when you feel good about yourself, um, And you're utilizing these outlets um, it's definitely going to improve your mental health for sure. Yeah, definitely.
0: This has been fantastic. Uh, One, one of the reasons why I bring you brought you and we want uh, anyone who we bring onto this uh, podcast here is because we endorse what you're doing. We believe that you're doing great stuff. You share great media. Where can people find you to follow your, at least your social media or anything else that you have out there?
1: Yeah, you can find me at on Instagram at Juan D Wellness, or if you want to email me, it's Juan at JuanDWellness.com.
0: Wonderful. Again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It's, it's been an honor. Thanks for thanks for chatting.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And I hope everybody listening will actually go follow more of what you're doing. You have one of the fastest growing social media accounts out there. Uh, and for good reason, you have incredible engagement from your following. Uh, we see lots of people and you know for any of the coaches who are listening to this it can be discouraging to see people with large followings sharing bogus information but all too often i've noticed that those people the followings are fake the engagement is fake if there's any engagement at all so it's not worth actually comparing what you're doing against this but i like highlighting the people who are doing really great stuff who are growing the messaging is authentic it's high quality and someone like yourself, you're also a great role model for other coaches in how to approach this stuff. So for any of the coaches listening, check check out what you're doing and they can learn a lot from you too. Um, everybody who's tuned in, thank you again for supporting this. This podcast is growing. If you found this helpful and our other episodes on specific topics helpful, share this with someone in your world, in your life. If you are someone who's found us through Wands Media, maybe you go back to the Susan Niebergall episode. Susan's wonderful, right? And maybe that would be something that keeps you around. Maybe you'll subscribe. It will earn your regular listening. And we're going to bring more great guests in between our our episodes that we talk on specific topics. So thank you again, everyone. appreciate everybody showing up.